You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Fundamentals are bombarding us every day, and I must say I get a little bit confused with what is good and what is bad. Is, is good news bad news, or all the other way around, especially when it comes to interest rates, especially when it comes to oil prices, and all sorts of other things. So what I want to do is declutter this afternoon with the help of one Franz de Klerk, who's an independent technical analyst speaking to us from the depths of the Hrut Karua in South Africa. How is the Karoo at the moment, Franz? Lindsay, you know, um, we in that part of the year when it is a little bit hot here, mm-hmm. um, strange enough, previous years, um, we've seen some days that goes up to about 45, 47. But this year, we were fortunate. It actually just one day went up to about 38. Okay. Um, so we've got the hot summer, as always, and it usually breaks uh, from about end February, first week, March, and then you go to three wonderful months where the temperature is absolutely fantastic. Um, But we had some hot times. We had some nice rain, not that much as last year. But um, the Karoo is still looking good. Um, Remember, it is semi-desert, for those that don't know. And, um, I mean, we still enjoy it here. I mean, it is as quiet as hell. We love it. Um, Strange enough, house prices are going up here because it is, I think, just too cheap still. And um, but otherwise lacquer. But if you go around the country, I mean, um, house prices are going up like you can't believe in the Cape, in Gauteng, it falls away. And yeah, it's picking up. But in the Karoo, nice weather. I mean, the stars were absolutely beautiful um, over these last couple of days when there was no moon or very uh, little moon. Of course. Um, so that's yeah, that's one of the beauties that we've got. And for for everyone to to make them a little bit jealous listening to us mm-hmm. um, in the in the Groot Karoo where we stay, if it's really hot, you go and sleep on your stoop. You you've got a little bed on the stoop. Um, and then you go peaceful out and you, you well, the chance for you to be get murdered or somebody mug you is almost zero. Um, so we all, I mean, the whole town, doesn't matter where you stay. And um, if, you, if it's too hot, you just uh, go outside and you go and sleep outside till about half past four or five o'clock in the morning. And then it's nice and cool from around um, two-ish to, let's say, five o'clock. So it's wonderful. So it's a different life. I live in a complete isolated life here. And not everybody can do it, but um, as long as your wife loves it and my wife love it, so then we stay in. And it's a season of all of us. It's a season in our lives. Yeah. It sounds idyllic, Francis. I just have to ask you one thing about sleeping on the stoop. What are you, in a hammock, or are you just on a mattress out that you pull out or some blankets? Yeah, what do you do? Uh, a physical bed. Oh, okay. You've got a little, you've got a, a small little bed um, that's on your stoop. Yeah. And um, you just go outside and um, me and Eric has got a nice, lovely, tiny little bed each, other, you know, for each of us. Yeah. And um, you just relax there and, and then it cools down. And whenever you're tired, you just go bed in, in the main bedroom. So it just, it is just to cool off. During the night. Very and, good. Um, I know some Karoo some towns you cannot do it because it is already a little bit dangerous. But I mean, in Forsberg, it is just so remote and so quiet that um, that people can still do it. And I mean, we do it. Very good. One question before we get on to the all-important subject of the markets. 
What about spiders and snakes, Franz? I've got a bit of a... I used to go to a place called uh, Onobos, uh, which is uh, close to the Cedarburg. There was nothing there, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, no electricity, all that sort of thing. I used to sleep on the floor. And then the next day I saw this spider about the size of a dinner plate and I thought, that's it, no more of that sleeping on the floor. What about the pests, you know, oh, that want to bite you? You know what we do? Yeah, you know what we do, Lindsay? And, and we've only learned it when we, when we got here. Um, you know, when usually spiders and, and the snakes only um, walk around or move around when there's either a lot of rain coming yes. or if it is very hot. Right. And um, one day we had a, a very ugly scorpion in our garden. Mm. And then let's call it my guy working for us. He just said to us, listen, uh, you must just in evening, just to sunset, let's say seven o'clock or so. You just take the house pipe and you just um, spray it, you know, so there's a little bit of a dampness on the on the soil or on the stoop, and then they will not bother you. And it, we tried it, and since then it works like a tea. And we've asked some other guys, what do they do? And that's exactly what we all do. We you just take the um, house pipe and you just spray, and it, you don't need to waste water. It's just a, you know just to cool it off. The, apparently they don't like the wetness. Mm-hmm. And then they just stay away, and um, and you can have a peaceful night. But on the other hand, you know, you you're not stupid. You will not put your hand into a like a hole or something like that, um, because then I think you can maybe pick up something ugly. But I mean, with us, um, yes, there is snakes, there is scorpions, there is um, uh, spiders around. But if it's cool and wet, no problems at all. Okay, I shall remember that next time in the semi-desert. Okay, we've got to get on to this. We've only got about um, 15 to 20 minutes left, France. The RAND. RAND went to 18 today. It's disturbing for every single individual in South Africa because that means we'll be importing inflation and interest rates might not fall. Very disturbing for the macroeconomic picture. But forget the fundamentals. Where is it going? It looks overstretched to me. Yeah, Lindsay, over the short term, it is definitely overstretched. I mean, actually, fact, in actual fact, you actually see what I'm and I'm looking at the live chart now. Um, in actual fact, early this morning, I thought we're going to see a beautiful tweezer top. Oh, yeah. And um, we did not see a tweezer top. It looks like we, we may be working on a shooting star now. Now, that's also a reversal candle. But um, I think for over the short term period, it, it just weakened a little bit too far. But if you look at the medium to the long term view of the rand, it is quite simple. Yes, we can maybe strengthen. Um, in actual fact, one of my clients that does a lot of importing and exporting phoned me this morning and because they want to increase their exposure in dollar. And I said, maybe we can pull back to about 17, 42, 46, let's say 40 cents from here, 50 cents down from here, and then weakening again. And the reason is, is quite simple. We're working on a, um, in actual fact, uh, the formation already kicked in. Uh, a descending channel. Now, a descending channel is always negative for the rand, and my target there is 18 rand 22. And oh dear, if 18 rand 60 breaks, then we sit on an ugly, ugly, ugly double top scenario that's been wiped off, and then we can go. And I don't even want to think about it. 19 rand 40. So for the mean meantime, first the pullback. I think maybe back to that 1740 level to give your indicators a little bit of a breather. And then unfortunately from there weakening again. But there's a nice rule, an emotional rule that investors can maybe just put in the back of their minds. 
if everybody is negative on the rand, yes. like it is now, everybody is just telling you 1822, 1850, you know, above that, just doom and gloom. And I know we all know the situation in South Africa. We don't need to repeat that. We don't even need to talk about it. Everybody knows it. But when everybody is just so negative on the rand, that is exactly at that point where the rand usually surprise you and start to strengthen. And the moment everybody tells you that the rand can go back to 17 rand or 1550, that is the time where you need to look out for a place where to buy dollars. So for me, it's quite simple. Everybody's just too negative. Exactly as you say, it, it um, weakened from around 17 rand, about seven, eight sessions. I'm just, yeah, eight sessions uh, to where it is now. Let's close to 18 rand. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, rand weakening in, in, a month, in a week is a lot. So a pullback, but unfortunately for the long term, a weakening currency. And as you say, we don't want to talk about fundamentals, but I think there's something fundamentally that is starting to, to, do, appearing, to appear here. And that is this, this gray listing of South Africa that can maybe take place. Yeah. And I think foreign, foreign investors are starting to, to pick up that things in South Africa is not that healthy with the administration. And we're starting to see that on the RAND. Because if you look at the RAND, and that's maybe for, for guys like myself and people that like to talk about technical analysis, if you look at the RAND, every time that the, the stochastic or an RSI, any of those indicators that tells you that it's a little bit stretched, the moment the RAND pushes a little shadow to the bottom on the candles, there is always buyers ready to buy dollar. And that just tells me that it is in, that news is in, and, and investors are nervous. But for we as South Africans, what do we do? I don't think you chase the RAND when it's weakened uh, RAND in a week. It's maybe best to play poker face a little bit, mm -hmm. wait for it to come back to that 1740, 1744 level. Look at your candles. If there's a little shadow at the bottom and you see that there's a confirmation coming or developing, and um, usually the RAND, for timing purposes, I usually use a weekly chart to, to establish the trend, but I time it on a daily chart. So um, for me, quite simple, strengthen a little bit, but unfortunately over the medium to the long term, still negative on the RAND. Okay, so be a seller of rallies in the RAND and a buyer of dips in the US dollar. What about the Standard & Poor's 500? I'm just looking at a five-year graph here and it's nothing like as sophisticated as the various charts that you have. But from what I can gather, it went to about 4,700 francs at the end of 2021, I think it was, yeah. It went to yes. about 4,700 there. Anyway, and then what's the date here when it went down to 3,600, uh, 1st of September 2022 last year? And now it's more or less in the middle of that range. I'm looking at the graph and I could make a case for a head and shoulders, a sort of a sloping head and shoulders, but I don't know. It looks a bit messy to me. What do you make of it? You know, Lindsay, strangely enough, um, I've got some very, very clever fundamental guys um, that I'm servicing with levels on indexes or shares. Yes. And this morning I had a very interesting chat to, to one of them and, and they said, that remember they work with people's money and they do risk analysis and all that. He says to me that the whole world has become so risk averse that everybody looks through all trouble and say that markets or shares must go up. 
And then we chatted about the S&P 500, and it, it is exactly what you're saying. If you look at the chart, there is a little bit of a skew head and shoulder formation developing. But we're now at a point where the market must actually show us what it wants to do. Because what we do know from the S&P 500, everybody sees that Mr. Powell will maybe not cut interest rates that far. But on the chart for the technicals, for me, it's quite simple. There's a gap at 4205 on the S&P. If that gap can be closed and the market goes over that and, and extends the rally, then maybe we can go even as high as 4320. And I'm looking at the monthly chart here and maybe as high as 4396. But if you look at the market in itself and you talk a little bit fundamentals, the PE is wrong. So for me, it's quite simple. You sit on a market that has been consolidating now between three, five, let's call it three, five, that level uh, that we saw in, and I just want to get the month in October, and between that and four, two, that's where we sit. We sit in between that, let's call it a 700 point spread. But for me, the crucial fact or point is three, nine on the dot. If the S&P can start to consolidate below three, nine, then we will see that we probably on a monthly chart saw a little bit of a double top around this 4.2. And if that breaks, I think we can. And I don't even want to mention the level. I think we can go down to 3.2. Oh, goodness. And the reason why I'm saying that is at that point, if the market breaks 3.9, everybody that had this long view that the S&P can really put in a nice rally, will change their minds and realize that they're wrong and they take money off the table. The other thing that you must also look at the S&P, um, we've got a what we call a death cross. Now, a death cross is, is when your 100 and your 50-day moving average on a weekly chart. I mean, if that crosses over, that's negative. Mm. And if you, I usually like to use a 40-week moving average and a 20-week moving average. And we're sitting now on a death cross. On the S&P, and that S&P must move above 4.3 to wipe that dangerous formation off the table. So if you are a fundamentalist or you are a technical analyst, usually you use the 40-week moving average as your guideline. Now, that works well, but when you've got a dead cross, it means that the momentum of the market is not strong enough to keep that upward momentum, and that's what I'm looking at. So for me, quite simple, 3.9 is the level. And um, I'm nervous on the market because you know what happened in 2020? The market had a beautiful rally. The stochastic consolidated for almost 18 to two years, right at the top there at the 80 plus zone. And then it came back, let's say in last year's rally, uh, in, in last year's correction and the bear market um, down to 19. But now it gave all those indicators sort of a breather. And I've seen over years, if it starts to consolidate at, uh, consolidate at the lower end of the market and it gives these indicators a breather and it breaks, especially in the case of the S&P 3.9, we can maybe see that this indicator flirts around these lower levels and actually take the index lower. In, interesting enough, we maybe haven't got time to talk about the local market, but the local market was last year one of the only markets in the world that did not enter bear market territory. We moved down, but we never closed down 20% from the top, where the S&P did do that. And I think what we're seeing here is 
that if you take the markets and you put it on a piece of paper, some of the big uh, technical guys or even the fundamental guys say the S&P was such a lagger in the markets around the world. Let's move it up and bring it a little bit in conjunction. And that's why we've seen this 8% rally in the S&P 500. But, um, of course, for me, 3.9 is, is the big level. And then 4.3, unfortunately, it's, it's a little bit a widespread. And the reason why I'm doing that is because the market is in limbo for the last couple of months, building this base or going to break this base to the downside. Okay, Franz de Klerk, you've got two more instruments or equities, and in one case, a commodity to have a look at. And at your request, now, one is natural gas. And I'm looking at the natural gas price here. It's in uh, BTUs. So it was close to 10. And when was this? Let me have a look at this thing here. It was close to 10 in August of last year, which was three or four months into the Ukraine-Russia conflict. As I look at my screen now, it's probably a quarter of the price at 2.46. It's been a fantastic bear market. Well, Lindsay, I wonder if some of the viewers will remember that we had, and I'm looking at the future price, we had one evening, I think in 2020, when the oil price, the future of the oil price, went down to minus 17 American cents that evening. Yes, I remember very well. And since then, and since then, that oil price just went up. So if I look at the chart like the natural gas chart, and if I look at this chart and I see it's consolidating right at the levels where we are now, 2.48, and there is a little bit of a bear flag there. Now, what is a bear flag? Maybe for viewers that or listeners that don't know, it, a bear flag is usually developing when you've seen a sell-off. There is a consolidation. Everybody goes long. Everybody believes that the market must go up. And then usually that level breaks and then that bear flag takes it another leg lower. Now, for all the traders that's listening to your program, I don't even know how many there are. Maybe there is plenty. That bear flag's target is 2.25. And the reason why I like that chart is that I say if it breaks and it takes it to 2.25, and listen to this, the stochastic, since the first week in December, let's call it the second week in December, the stochastic is below 10. That usually tells me that the whole world is short in that commodity. And I can tell you why this commodity is under pressure. Remember, Russia would like, wanted to tell the world that they can control the world of not supplying natural gas. And then Europe came out and they found some suppliers. And I think there's some manipulation going here. And that's why this chart looks so ugly, because every time it gives a little bit of a blip, there's some sellers around here. So for me, as a clutch plate in the Karua, I'm going to wait <laughs> for it at around 2.25. Uh, to, to buy a contract and I'm looking at the April contract so that I can roll it over. My stop loss is 2.19. But believe you me, this thing starts to go. There is numerous gaps to the upside. Yes. And if we want to know it or if we don't want to know it, the world, although everybody is going green, remember the whole world is going now into green and remember the bad guys is now coal and um, everybody believed that you can sort the world out with solar. Yes, we've got solar in the Karoo and it works well, but that works for Francie. It doesn't work <laughs> for Arcel, Metal and all these big companies. Those companies are looking at gas 
to, to, to help them with electricity and with energy. And um, I believe that this natural gas, if it turns around, we're going to see some strong candles, 6-7% up. And for the view or the listeners again, the other night it did go up 8%. And that was the first sign for me that there's something boiling here. It did pull back. It's now almost making a new low. And now let's give that new low. That new low will be seen below 2.42. So if it breaks 2.42, that bear flag is on the go, and then it can take it to 2.25. But remember, this is high-risk trading. It is for the guys that's got um, big eyes. And um, don't go and sell now your little house in the Karua. Maybe sell your plot where you where you know that you're not going to get any money for. And that's maybe to put that kind of money in natural gas. But believe you me, I've seen charts like this. It never just go to zero because the whole of Europe and the whole of the world and even America needs natural gas. There's no way that companies will make money at the level price of 2.47. No, exactly. Something's going on there. And I hope a natural gas trader or natural gas broker at the end of all this writes a book and says, this is what really happened with Russia, with pipelines, with everything else, with Germany stocking up at the really higher prices. Uh, they've obviously overpaid, but at least they have secure supplies. Okay, last one. France de Clare, clutch plate, as you called yourself. Pick and pay. Pick and pay no. at the end of fourth week of January. I've got here, let's call it six, 6160, 61 rand and 60 cents per share, I think that is. Okay, that's January. 2023, mind, not 2022. I've got here, uh, what date is this? February, yeah, today. Previous close, 4,779, 47 rand, 79 cents per share. It's a big move for a big company. It's been going nowhere for years. It's been going sideways. And suddenly it breaks down. Opportunity or more selling? Uh, Lindsay, for me, it's an opportunity. Um, once again, remember, you know that I'm looking at Busman Tierkeninger for a living. And I'm not a fundamental analyst. And the following that I see is I see, uh, first of all, a breakaway gap. The other day when they announced that their, their sales are up, but they're struggling with load shedding and we we know that the whole country is in that grip of load shedding. But that little gap, and I'm going to mention that gap to you, it's between 51.82 and 48, uh, sorry, uh, 51.82 and 50.50 on the dot. Right. Now, that gap was exactly an emotional gap. Now, an emotional gap is when you see something in the news and you're nervous and you phone your broker or your, you wait for the platform to open at 9 o'clock and the first thing that you say is sell. And that's when an emotional gap opens up. But strange enough, on Thursday last week, there was a tiny little hammer developing there with some nice or decent volume. On Friday, we saw what we call a dragonfly candle, where it tells you that there is some buyers around. And those buyers made their profit this morning. I think the, the share was a little bit up, but they're selling off now. So for me, it's quite simple. The stochastic is rock bottom between uh, from about, let's say, the, the last week of um, January till now. It's almost a month down. It is a top company. I know it's the, we all struggle with um, load shedding, but they remember they, they've got a little bit of a different scenario. They are anchor um, tenants in big, com uh, big uh, property companies, and 
properties. And we know, all of us know, that these big property companies don't want to lose these um, anchor tenants. Right. So what will probably happen is, is that, let's call it, a growth point or one of those companies will realize oopsie will realize that um, um, uh, pick and pay is in their building and they will speed up their solar system development or spend and that can help pick and pay and for me it's quite simple pick and pay took a lot of business away from wooers and this gap that we've seen here is a beautiful gap to trade so where will I go long I will go long at 46.82, I will have a lacquer, nice tight stop loss. That stop loss will be 45.75, and my target will be to close that gap, and that gap will close at 51.82, and I will sit my order in, put my order in at 51.81, and then it's goodbye, Irene. Gosh, okay. Well, that's pretty clear. So you keep a tight stop loss after your entry level of, what did you say? Give us that level again, 46.82. Yeah, that level is 46.82 entry level. Yeah. And my stop loss will be um, 45.75. So a tight stop loss, reason being momentum is still down. Everybody don't like the chart. Um, and very interesting, if you think about it, if you are a fund manager or a guy that wants to buy a, a good quality company, maybe for the medium to long term, that's all they wait for. They wait for these shares to sell off. I can remember a share for like Remgro. When that dipped below 100 Rand in, in 2020, you could see every day that there was buyers around that 100 Rand level to support the price. It went, I think, three days to 96 or 97, and since then it never pulled back again. Pick and pay, for me, it's simple, good management. I'm not a fundamental analyst. They, 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 they put up their, their volumes, sell, so more people buy at, at uh, um, pick and pay. Their margins doesn't look bad. It's only the load shedding, um, and I think that is a problem that they can solve out because they're not these big manufacturers. They are sellers of products. So if they sort that out, I think we can see a nice little uptick in, in pick and pay. So there's two. Um, the pick and pay one is not that risky, I believe so. But the natural gas, that is definitely not for the faint target. Okay. Yes, faint heart, never one fair lady, as they say. So any very, very interesting, yeah. very diverse set of instruments that you've you put out there. We've looked at the RAND, we've looked at the S&P 500, natural gas, and also pick and pay. Something for everyone. How do we keep in touch with you, please, France? Lindsay, just before we run off, I think that we all like to trade the local market, the, the top 40 and the Aussie. Yeah. But the more I look at this rand, and if I look at the five-year or seven-year view in, in future, maybe we need to start look at more trading on the S&P. Still trade the local market because we all know that. But in time to come, I think maybe the S&P will be the one because that is a beautiful dollar play. And, um, you know, if you just do $200 a day, um, you can make a reasonable living out of that. So how do people get hold of us? Um, it's either visiting our website, www.francedeclare.com. And um, everybody also knows by now that we've got this little guest house at our place in the Karua. So if you want to come and visit and care for a night, you just drop us a call. Or even on the website, you can just drop us an email. But that's the easiest way, www.francedeclare.com. 
and um, then you can get hold of me or Christelle. I mean, Christelle is a registered broker. I'm just looking at Busman Tekeninge. She's the <laughs> clever one in the office, um, but you can find everything on the website. Very good. And of course, if you are going to stay at uh, France de Klerk's beautiful little guest house in Fosburg in the Groot Kudur, all you have to do is say, I know Lindsay Williams. You whisper that when you go in and you get a 10% discount. I know this for oh, a fact. Yes, of course. And I'm, and remember, when you come to South Africa, you definitely pop in here. Please, man. Okay. Don't hold your breath. You keep on inviting me, and I've been very rude and not done so. But I have a feeling that might change. France, thanks so much for your time. Always really good fun and also so informative. France de Klerk is an independent technical analyst. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.